Hello and welcome to Fanboys Inc.'s Inside the Batcave. How can you find us on Twitter? I'm glad you asked, Josh, who I'll be introducing you to in the audience in a few moments. Twitter, at Inside Batcave. Facebook, facebook.com slash Inside the Batcave. Instagram, at Inside the Batcave. Drop us an email, Inside the Batcave Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing. Give us your comments, your questions, your topic ideas. Give us your tired, your weak. What what was the uh, how it is tie, huddled masses you know anything? So by the way, also find us on Twitter. Myself at Peter Melnick, Josh's at Josh Rosengrant, and Jared, who is not here at the moment, is at Jared K four two one. Now also go on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you want to stream this show, you can use it on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Available for all iOS and Android devices. So now our special guest, making his return to the Bat Cave, bum, bum, bum. is Mr. Josh Rosengrant, Mr. At Josh Rosengrant on the exactly. Twitter. Yeah, don't forget the at symbol. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Now, this episode is episode number twelve. It's never too late. What did you think? Well, no, that's we're saving that for the end of the episode. That's a dumb thing to even do. Here we go. Yep. But you know, you know how we're getting you for our return. Yeah, we're actually getting our first return non-rogues gallery villain in this episode. Really? Yes, hmm. Rupert Thorne, who you yeah. saw in the previous episode. He's actually back to back, so he's the first back to back villain of this series. Much like you're the first back to back guest host. <sighs> and as a matter of fact, what you and Rupert Thorne have in common: Two Face Part One, Two Face Part Two, and it's never too late. For you, it's going to be Two-Face Part 2, It's Never Too Late, and the episode with the Penguin that I forgot the name of. Uh, I have Batman in my basement. What does that have to do with anything, Josh? We're not there yet. You'll what, find out. What, you have a Batman in your basement? No, what, what does that have to do with anything, Josh? Uh, it, everybody should have a Batman in their basement. This is true. This is very true. Now, first off, the teleplay is written by Garen Wolf, and the story is by Tom Ruger. Directed by Boyd Kirkland and an original air date of September 10th, 1992. And it features the first and last appearances of, in order, Arnold Stromwell. So now, Josh, first off, what did you think of the title card of this episode? With the gaslight, you know, the uh, the lighthouse foggy effect to it? It was very compelling. It brought me in. I mean, it wasn't very spectacular, but it was still a good card that, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I don't know, it could have... It, it could well, go ahead. It was quite pretty. But it, like, it had like a noir kind of feel to it. You know, like you're all of a sudden seeing a guy walk up, you know, smoking a cigarette. It was, it was summer 1942. What happened in the summer of 1942? I, I don't know where we're going with this, but oh. yeah. So now anyway, this episode, this is where we're going with this. This episode oh. opens with children playing in the street, passing a ball back and forth. And I'm legit surprised parents are letting their kids leave the house since they live in Gotham. Now, if you, Josh, if you were a parent in Gotham, would you let your kids out to experience, you know, Gotham and play. I would at least supervise. There were no parents watching their kids play. Tragic. Those are terrible parents. It'll be something. You're sitting there just playing, you know, game of jacks. I don't know any kids who still do that nowadays. No, no one does, Josh. Not oh. even 1992 when well, this episode took place. It seems like fun. But uh, if I were to play, be playing jacks or whatnot, just making sure that my kid didn't get hit by a car. Yeah, I mean, the, a big-ass car, you know? Yeah. You, you don't want that. Yeah. Now, what, you know... What would you say, though, in Gotham that the what, what's it uh, the suburban area is not as bad as the urban area? I don't know. Just like I said, you never know what car could go by. 
This just is, all of a sudden you're just saying you're playing your game of jacks. Then all of a sudden Bane just gets out of a limo and breaks your back. Exactly. Poor kid. Yeah, Never I'm, get to finish his game of jacks. I'll be completely honest. I haven't seen that episode in like over uh, like almost two decades now. Well, you, you mean the one the, the where ba- Bane, the, the Bane breaks? Yeah, breaks the back of a kid who was trying to play. Jax. No, not that episode. Oh, Josh. oh, oh. But I, I haven't seen the Bane episode in like two decades now. Oh. I'm so excited for when this show finally gets to the cover of that stuff. Oh, can we just skip to it? No. Oh, man. Because we have to do this one. Oh, okay. It's still a good one. So now the ball hits a gate, which turns out to be the home of the mobster Arnold Stromwell. And, you know, Stromwell's watching on the news that there's a gang war between Stromwell and Rupert Thorne. And this is actually the first time we've had a back-to-back villain in the series with Rupert Thorne, like I stated earlier. Now, you know, Gordon is being interviewed on the news and says that Thorne and Stromwell are fighting for control of the rackets in Gotham and that Stromwell may lose. The tennis rackets. The tennis rackets. I mean, making all that kind of racket. Jim Cornette's going to be involved, and you know, just smack the midnight or the uh, Rock and Roll Express over the head. Ah. Dated wrestling reference. We got it, you know. Hmm. Yeah. There you go. We have a picture with Jim Cornette. We do. We do. The greatest tag team in the world. Yes. He wanted to manage us. It would have been amazing. It would have been. Mm. But now, you know, the news anchor also reveals that Stromwell, the son of Stromwell, is missing. The son of Stromwell. Ooh. What do you think is going through his mind? Is it what could have been? Just like, I know I left him back at Chuck E. Cheese in the playpen. I mean, the, you know, the infamous ball pit. You know, the kid just got, like, exactly. smothered to death in there or something. You know, apparently people have – kids have pooped in there. I don't – As the go to reason, why would then leave your kids in the poop pen? The poop pen? The poop ball pen. And will now forever be called the poop pen. The poop pen. Exactly. Yes. So now also, you know, Stromwell kind of looks like a mustachioed Nixon. And I know for yourself, you know, as a fan of the film Frost Nixon, boy, I that – I love Frost Nixon. What a boring movie. That takes me back. Sure does, to the 1970s with Watergate, because you were there. Mm, I was a fly on the wall. I'll never forget. (laughs) And a gleam in your father's eyes. (laughs) Yes. And then, you know, we cut to Thorne at a deli, and, you know, there's this guy in charge who actually kicks out a disheveled guy who kind of sounds familiar. I can't can't put my finger on it, but I... I think I know who that guy's voice is. Michael Keaton. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, th- I thought that he was in disguise. He had a beard. It could have um, yeah, It was just some he, guy. Yeah, right. Mm. So anyway. But then we find out it's actually not just any guy. It's Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. <laughs> exactly. No. We then see, you know, Stromwell driving off to his meeting with Thorne, and Stromwell starts to get a flashback as a result of a train crossing's flashing lights, and you hear ding, ding. We then, you know, Stromo starts to get this flashback, and it's like a sepia-tone flashback. So it's like, you know, yellow and black and all that kind of stuff aged. I loved that. I thought that was a really cool, you know, visual. This is weird because if you go back in the day, usually they're just like, I got to have it in black and white. And some people, I don't know who, actually thought back in the day that everything was black and white. Gee, I I wonder who they are, and I wonder if their initials are J and R. Oh, well, it was a simpler time. There was more wind back then. It was a simpler time when we were 17 years old. (laughs) Exactly, and it was all black and white. All black and white. Yep. Yep. That's why it's hard to read black and white comics. I don't know about you guys out there, but... Uh, no, it's pretty easy for me because... Yeah. Have you ever wanted to take your black and white comic and color it in? Well, people do that with the uh, current coloring book comic books. Like, as a matter of fact, while we're on the subject of Batman the Animated Series, they actually made, and we talked about it last week, Mad Love. Mad Love got reprinted in a black and white coloring book alongside, I believe, uh, Hush. Oh, I'm going to get on that. And, you know, you can, you can find it usually like at a Walmart or something where there's all the, uh, you know, they have like this whole adult coloring book section now, and that's always in there. Yeah. 
So it's kind of it's kind of cool to be able to, you know. I've I always wanted a blue Joker. Me too, or vacation Joker. Ooh, mm-hmm. the funniest thing is, by the way, uh, we're this episode I believe is going to be airing the week before New York Comic Con. I want to say they're actually going to have a pop vinyl of Hawaiian Joker. Really? For sale? Yeah. That's creepy. So if you, by the way, Josh, if you want one, I, I let do. Me, let Thank me know. You. Birthday wish. It's po- realistically that's a possibility. You never know. Thank you. We should do a episode. We should. We should. We should. Mm. We should. Knock, knock. Who's there? We should. So anyway, now in the sepia tone flashback, we see a young Arnold going on how he's going to own Gotham. Foreshadowing, right? I know. Foreshadowing what? Oh, wait. We'll find out. (laughs) That's why it's foreshadowing. Yes, it is. All of a sudden, a train shows up and Arnold has a foot stuck in the tracks but manages to not get hit by a train. While he escapes, another train shows up and he freezes. Of course, of course. You know, his, knowing his luck. Oh, I'm so, – oh, crap. Wouldn't it be great if there's just like one train out of a number, uh, another? He, he like gets his foot out and then all of a sudden, oh, no, here comes another one. And it's the wrestler A-train. Choo-choo. Yeah, or freight train. Freight train. Freight train. So anyway, we cut back to present day as Stromwell is shaking off the memory. And we then cut to a church, which Batman is standing on top of near gargoyles, and Batman enters and proceeds to talk to a priest. Now, before we get into that, I kind of dig the idea of seeing, you know, Batman amongst, like, perched up amongst there with all the different, you know, gargoyles. Why? When you look at Batman, he's that ominous kind of figure, and that's perfect for him. That's the perfect surrounding for him. I don't think so. Why? I will tell you why, because it must have been really uncomfortable. I'm going to perch for no reason on top of a church. Well, maybe perch in church. God, yes. Hmm. So now Batman tells the priest Arnold needs him tonight, and the priest says that he's not sure, but Batman says he shouldn't give up on anyone and tells him to show up tonight. So Stromwell arrives at the deli to meet with Thorn, and then Thorn tells him they should talk alone, so the henchmen of each side along with the deli owner disappear. Which is weird. You're at a deli. I'm going to talk to you. Nobody eats anymore. Well, the funniest thing is the deli owner dis- – I'm not sure if this is like, you know, a, a, a – like an inconsistency, but the deli owner disappears, and then a few seconds later, he's still there again. I'm like, I thought you left. Obviously, he had other things to do. He's a busy deli worker. He he had to slap he the meat repeatedly. It, that's why he had to excuse himself. At least he was considerate enough yeah. to excuse himself. So now they talk about them both appearing on the news, and the line, this town ain't big enough for the both of us, is uttered. Literally the most cliche line in regards to things like this was uttered. Yes. And, you know, Stromwell grabs Thorne and asks him where his son has been taken. And when he doesn't answer, he throws him into a table. Which must have hurt. Probably, yes. Yes. And then, you know, he says that Thorne had something to do with it. But he assures him that he didn't as he doesn't mess with other people's families. Which I thought is a nice concept considering we're dealing with Italians and people think, well, the whole premise, I think, is is that the family is more important than anything else. Right. That's the whole concept. Yeah, I see that. I definitely see that. I mean, I just like, you know, the idea of they like there are these ruthless mobsters, these evil assholes, mm-hmm. and they have their own code of ethics. Are we allowed to curse? Yeah, we can curse. Oh, great. You okay. didn't you didn't know that? Um, I think I might have slipped one a few back and which uh Did you slip a Mickey? I Is that a thing? Yeah, sure. Oh. 
So now, anyway, 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 he offers to help Stromwell find his kid and then offers him a seat. So you're thinking, wow, this guy's like a really, really cool guy. He's doing this for him, you know, regardless of all the problems they have. I'll help you find your son, though. He orders the deli owner to give them food, but closes the door behind him, locking him in the now darkened room. And Stromwell is backing up when he sees a familiar figure right behind him. You know who he, bounce, you know who he bumps into, right? Barney. Yes. We are the. It is the nineties. This, this is true. What are you doing here? You talking dinosaur I lover? I love you. Anyway, not bad. Yeah, thank you. So now outside the deli, we see the henchmen. When all of a sudden a bomb goes off in the deli, and it causes it to explode, obviously because the bomb went off. You Com- dropped a bomb on me, baby. baby. So now commercial break, and so now one after we return from commercial, one of Stromwell's henchmen tries to run in, but the other says not to, as the cops will be coming to the scene soon. And obviously because there's fire, and you probably should not burn. Pretty much, and they you know they just jet, they run off like you know scared little girls. Ah. So now they both jet, and then, you know, Thorne shows up and goes on how Arnold has been replaced. What do you think he got replaced with? I, I, I like to think a robot. Really? From, like, the 80s? 80s robot? Hell yeah. Ah. The one from the Muppets? Hell yeah. 80s robot. But, oh, yeah, from... That movie. Which, yeah. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. We'll review that another year. Yeah, on an episode of Inside the Batcave. <laughs> <laughs> Special edition of Inside the Batcave, the Muppets take Manhattan. <laughs> That's not Manhattan. It's the, it's the Muppets. There isn't no Manhattan. They don't go to Manhattan. They do go to Manhattan. Have no, you watched the movie? No. You're talking about the Muppets with the 80s robot. Anyway. Dude, we're Manhattan. talking about other Muppet movies, though. That was probably in Cali. Next week, we're going to be covering Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, with Tim Curry. Go, Tim Curry. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. So now, you know, in a darkened alley, we see a door get kicked down as Batman with Stromwell over his shoulder escapes to the roof. And Stromwell wakes up to the vision of Batman and proceeds to panic. Now, if you were in Stromwell's shoes, first off, would you would the shoes be uncomfortable for you? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Now, second thing. First off, hold on. Let's back up a minute. We're talking about cartoon shoes, okay? I'm looking at them, and I know they're not an 11 and a half, so there's that. Oh, wait. I don't wear an 11 and a half. <laughs> 10 and a half. <laughs> Close enough. But I totally close enough, Josh. Yeah, I don't wear cartoon shoes. Anyway. So now how would you react though if you were in the position of being face to face with the Batman? The Batman? The Batman. First off, going back to the uh, other episode, so help me God, he had white eyes. And yeah. you don't know if he can see out of them. I th- I think he can. Which is really mind boggling. That well, word. I think it's more. It's like a LED lights. Because like, if you notice, could remember, it be? It might. Could, could it be? Mm, could it be like Christmas lights? Well, this is this is the thing. You know, all joking aside, you watch uh, Batman v Superman: colon, Dawn of Justice. You see the um, LED lights in the battle. Oh yeah. So that technically is, and it's also, I believe, that like a screen. Be. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I. I think the whites of the eyes is a cool thing, but then again, it's also confusing for characters like Green Lantern, where all he has is a green Lone Ranger mask on his face, you know? I think at first I'd be scared, and then I'd be like, maybe he just needs a hug. So now, like I said, how would you feel, though, if you woke up to the vision of Batman facing you down? (sighs) I I would be a little bit traumatized at first, at least. I mean, I love Batman, but yeah. 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 Hmm. So now we see Batman and Stromwell exit over the rooftops as he takes the mobster on what he calls a tour. And, you know, Gordon and Bullock arrive on the scene and talk about what happened at the deli. Bullock points out, though, that they make the best cannolis. Once again, going with the trope of Bullock is a fat guy. 
That's all. Or it, it could be that he's just a Brooklyn Italian man who really, really loves food. Like every like you've know like there was the one time you know in the previous episode where there was food like donuts and he dropped a donut and had to run back and get another one. Police officers like their donuts. It's not really that he's the chubby. Well, he's a pretty fat guy. For you? I mean, he's pretty big. For you? What was that? Bane. Use the bathroom. Bane. Does Bane always have to use the bathroom too? <laughs> yeah, that's probably why he's always pissed. It's a very big, very, very, very big possibility. Very, His yeah. suit doesn't let him poop. I There's need- no zipper on my suit. I need to. Dep- I need to rely on depends. They're the worst. Ah. I've always wanted to see Bane as an, a really old man. I've always realized... I, I finally realized that Bane sounds like a velociraptor. Yeah. He, he made his debut on the Flintstones movie. He did? Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. A citizen goes to Gordon on how he saw Batman save someone, which a henchman overhears, and the henchman leaves the scene to report this to Thorne. And then, you know, we at this point, we cut back to Thorne, who was upset with Stromwell. He's upset that Stromwell was saved. You know, he feels Stromwell will tell what happened, and then he orders an attack on the both of them. Crazy. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know. You know, neither. On a roof, you know, Stromwell and Batman are talking and reveals to the mob boss he wants information on the gangs that he has knowledge of. To which Stromwell replies that he'll have to give a good reason for him to tell him. And this is where the film starts to, like, get a it's a wonderful life kind of vibe to it. So it's they, not Christmas. And, you know, we essentially have Batman playing the role of guardian angel, and he they end up in an alley where Stromwell recognizes it. And Batman informs him it used to be where he sold drugs. Stromwell goes on now how he only sells, quote-unquote, candy. Now, what kind of candy do you think he sells? I think it's Butterfingers. Of course, that, you know, that sea salt taffy. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's like, you know. Have you ever, like, went treasure hunting in an ocean and brought back a big, huge treasure chest and, like, got a huge thing of sea salt taffy? My favorite thing about doing things like this with you is the realization of watching you just, like, legitimately get excited over talking about saltwater taffy. Have you ever had any? Yes. Yeah, so it I, tastes exactly like saltwater. Josh, you have very tiny eyes, but yet your eyes became gigantic when you talked about it. It's a miracle of growth. And now they're back to small. Oh, well. I lost it. Once again, you know, Batman then takes him over to the Sunrise Foundation, which Stromwell says he has nothing to do with. So they go inside, and Batman reveals it's actually a drug rehab center. And then this is where Stromwell discovers that his son and wife, Connie, in, are in one of the rooms. The son was there the whole time. All along. It was an I'm not shamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalamalam
oh. of Liverpool. Oh, you went to England? Yes. Well, Liverpool, New York. Mazel tov. So now Batman, you know, goes on telling him that he has to stop what he is doing. Which, you know, then we go to Stromwell's base where he hands Batman the files and it turns out they're dummy books. And dummy books? Yeah, dummy books. It's fake, fake files. Oh. Batman's back is turned and Stromwell pulls out a gun. Bang, bang. He shot him down. Bang, bang. He hit the ground. Bang, bang. Did he hit the ground running? Anyway. So he tells Batman he'll get Joey out of rehab and all of a sudden a tear gas canister crashes through the window as they get, you know, as they both cough. Which we then cut to our second commercial of the episode. Which is weird because why would you cough if it's tear gas? Wouldn't you like start getting teary? I mean, maybe. Maybe it's coughing gas. Weird side effects. And they just stand there before the commercial. They don't even move. It's out of nowhere. They're just like, <coughs> commercial, <coughs> commercial. Got to continue the cough for part for the second half. Yeah, through the entire commercial of the Hangs Underwear commercials that are coming it's up. It's literally them just coughing. It would, it would be hilarious if, like, cut scenes, they just make extra cartoons of what happens without during commercial. <coughs> keep coughing. We got to keep going. <laughs> we got to keep this. Make it look good. So now Stromwell <laughs> passes out while Batman puts on a breathing apparatus and then Batman throws a chair through a window, hitting Thorn's goons. And, you know, Batman at this point is having a fight with the goons, and they play a game of cat and mouse with them. And also one of Thorn's men finds Stromwell, and they chase after him, to which this leads to him on the old rail yard from the earlier flashback. And that, you know, Batman at this time is fighting the bad guys as well. So then, you know, the priest from earlier shows up and tells Arnold he can't run anymore. How in the world did the priest end up finding them out of nowhere? I honestly have no idea, but I imagine, you know, Batman said we're going to be in this general area. Come by here if this is such, you know, a claustrophobic kind of thing. Or not claustrophobic, but like, you know, traumatizing event for him. Go here. He'll be here. We'll did, end up here somehow. Did he give him a map and like put a giant X? Just just, well, Josh, just look around, I guess. You, you watched this episode and you know why these two characters are so closely tied together. So now, you know, this causes – Stromwell to trip and fall onto one of the train tracks, and then this causes Stromwell to continue the rest of his prior flashback. So it turns out he... Did he escape the train from earlier? It turns out he did. Yes. He got pushed by his friend Michael. And guess what? It turns out Michael is the one that grew up to be that priest. See, I, I like the idea of doing that because it's... It comes full circle for the whole story for him, you know, the relationship between the two. Mm-hmm. And you see, you know... One went for as the you know the quote unquote greater good, while the other one just you know fucked off and went the wrong path. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an interesting dichotomy between the two characters, you know. I mean, to be fair, the Catholic priest could also be doing something dirty in those you know secret rooms. I'm going to talk to you behind a closed door, and you won't know it's me. Ha ha ha. Josh, you do realize this is a children's television show, regardless of how adult episodes may be. It's still a children's television show. Oh, well, uh, delete that uh, next uh, No, that that will be staying in the episode. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) So now, you know, while this is going on, some of Thorne's men are hiding in the shadows, and they pull guns out on him. To which Batman shows up in the nick of time and knocks him out. Double noggin knocker. Oh, is that what that is? Where they take two noggins and knock them together. They're noggins. They're noggins. Nicaragua. Ooh, I love, I would love to go to Nicaragua. Would you? Nicaragua. Same one, face. Maybe one day you'll be able to figure out how to pronounce it properly, too. You should, if you say words fast, it's more fun. Nicaragua. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So anyway... Michael, who reveals is his little brother, says to do it for his family. And then Thorin shows up again, 
but gets knocked down and he gets up again. No, but but gets knocked down by Batman. You know that song is not what you think it might be about. What is it about, Josh? Something very bad. What is it about? This is a kid show. It's a kid friendly. Well, this is a, this uh, the Batman the animated series is kid friendly, but this show we can talk about whatever. I think so it had to do about a very sexual experience. Enlighten the audience at home. That's Josh. what I'm thinking. That's what I was told because if it's you're getting knocked down, but maybe you might not get back up again. They're never going to keep you down. A- exactly. The police show up as Arnold puts his arm around his brother's shoulder. And then, you know, at this point, we pan up on the roof as we hear Arnold say to Commissioner Gordon that he'd like to make a statement. Basically going, you know, the the right path. You know, he wants to end all this negativity because why the hell not, you know? Yeah. And then we pan to the Gotham Church. Credits. And so now the whole plot of this episode, by the way, like I mentioned earlier with the you know, it's a wonderful life comparison. It's also, you know, borrowing elements from a Christmas carol and the film Angels with Dirty Faces. Now, Josh, for yourself, does this episode hold up for you? It was nice. I mean, it has a good meanings and points, but it wasn't really one of my favorites, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to have to say at least a three out of five. It was it was okay. I think it was one of those filler episodes. Right. Where just like, you know what, let's get to the next big villain. But if anything, this kind of episode reminds me of season one of Gotham where it's the whole crime people that were before um, the, the crime family of, uh, of uh, season one on Gotham. Right. Where With everything uh, before Fish the Mooney. big villains, Fish Mooney and all that, where we're just going to like fight guns a-blazing. Not all Italians. There was different people up and around there. Wonderful. But yeah, I mean, like with these episodes with filler episodes, what do you think about the filler episodes in general? Now, to be fair, some of the filler episodes, I know you don't like it. I personally really like the Underdwellers. Yeah, I, I was not much of a fan of that, you know, even like looking back on it. But, you know, such is life. Yeah. You know? This is Walgreens. This is Wal- This is Walgreens. But my, my thing is this with filler episodes. Do you think there should be so many filler episodes or do you think they should, you know, they should have spaced them out? would have spaced them out, but at least as you're looking forward to the next big reveal of the next villain. Right. Maybe even had a little bit of – if you could have a filler episode and then have maybe one of the villains make a sneak appearance. How would you feel about a filler episode where the character is like a filler character, but it turns out like, you know, they develop into the series? Like, that like, would be awesome. You know what I mean? Like, really good writing. Like essentially be. like a character like no one really cares about and then yeah. boom, they're a big character. Why? Yeah, exactly. You know? So – I mean, honestly, with the idea of filler episodes, I feel like they're needed, but I feel like if you have too many filler episodes, it kind of burns you out. Like you, you know, you like. But then again, it gets you excited for when it finally does happen, like a big one. Like exactly. the next episode, I've been waiting for this character's debut, the Penguin, Ooh. for a while now, mm. and the fact it took this long bums me out a little. Like I'm, you know, we haven't gotten to the Riddler. Yeah. And I'm excited for a Riddler episode. I love question mark guy. Bane is going to be next season. Uh, the the guy that goes around and breaks little kids' backs mm-hmm. when uh, playing in the road. I believe he's uh, season two or three. Don't quote me on that. I believe it gets three, though. Oh, I won't quote you. Okay, good. Yeah. But now, I mean, you know, I like the idea that there's filler, but also at the same time, I don't, you know, because, you know, you want to enjoy this. But again, it gets you pumped for this stuff. Yeah. So now myself... Does this episode hold up? Yes. And again, you know, another adult kind of episode that shows that you can tackle emotional topics such as these in a quote-unquote kids show, you know? And at the end of it, you leave knowing that the bad guy in the end made a good decision. 
and the writing was top notch and didn't feel dated in the slightest. Was did it have like breathtaking animation? No. It was, you know, again I disagree. Did you see those zoomed in shots of the mustaches? This is true. This so great. <sighs> I mean, it was the writing like I said was top notch. But then, you know, I feel like this is one of the top episodes for me. It was one of the top filler episodes. It wasn't like, yeah. oh my god, this I, is better than I definitely enjoyed this more than Underdwellers. I definitely enjoyed this more than um, the one I said a few weeks back where I absolutely despised. I mean, you have to have a really, you know, strong episode. Mm -hmm. And this is, like you said, the strongest of the fillers. And it, you again, you want to do that. Yeah. Now, Josh, you said on the Mike Norton Batarang scale you rated a 3 out of 5? Yes. Myself on that scale, I give it a 4 out of 5. Ooh. Because, I mean, honestly, it it got what it achieved. It, it achieved what it wanted. Yeah. You know? So now, what would you say is a good example of a filler episode that didn't work? Ooh, that's a toughie. A filler episode that did not work would have to be... Hmm... Now here, actually, better question. Not sure. Can you do a filler episode with a main villain? Is that even possible? It is. I, I I absolutely feel it is because you can do an episode with a filler villain, and it's not their best effort. Ah, uh, you know what I mean. Like to be completely honest, when I think about it, the Joker episodes we've encountered so far have been filler episodes because we're on the we were on the road. To WrestleMania. Yes. We were on the road to Two-Face and we were on the road to – we're currently on the road to Heart of Ice, Ooh. which is going to be in a few episodes from now. Very that, cold. That will be episode number 14. It will be chilling. No. So <laughs> ice to see you. Anyway. So now, Josh, what is the next episode we'll be reviewing? I believe you – that episode holds a very special near and dear place for yourself. Exactly. Batman's in my basement. What does that have to do with anything? I don't like this joke. Uh, anyway. So now, once again, it's I've Got Batman in My Basement, production episode number 13, lucky number 13. You get to make your uh, – your guy gets to make his debut in lucky number 13. I Great. Cool. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at Inside Batcave. Myself at Peter Melnick, at Josh Rosengrant, and at Jared K four two one. Give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash Inside the Batcave. Give us a follow on the Instagram at Inside the Batcave, and drop us an email, Inside the Batcave Podcast at gmail.com. And this show you can find on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, and share. Spread the word like Nutella. It's delicious, right? I, I'm not a fan. I thought you were. No. Wink, wink. Anyway, so now give this show a listen on streaming platforms such as TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play, available for all iOS and Android devices. So I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Josh Rosengrand. We are darkness. We are cold. We are vengeance. We are the night. We are Batman. God damn it again. <laughs> Oh, was I supposed to say something? Oh, Batman. Batman. Done. This has been a Fanboys Incorporated Network production. Found on fanboysinc.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. Good night and geek on.